You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole, coming at you from somewhere. And I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and I'm excited to be back with the one, the only, the adventurous Christy Morris. Hello. Yes, I uh, just went on an adventure myself. I don't know about you, but I uh, didn't think I would be hanging off of cargo crates midair. Well, I'm glad that you are okay. Uh, I mean... um, but uh, and it seems a little less windy than I would have expected h- hanging off of cargo crates. Yeah, you know, uh, surprisingly, just kind of a light breeze, and then you pull the uh, parachute and <laughs> float on down. And everything's fine. I'm sure it's <laughs> fine. It'll be fine. Uh, no, this is going to be fun. We're going to be talking about the uh, brand new. Uh, I guess we can call it the new Tom Holland flick, and uh, Uncharted which is based off the video game. And uh, before we get there, though, of course, just want to say you could find us uh, as the 602 Club wherever you get your podcasts and uh, make sure you're subscribed. You'll get the episodes, not only the 602 Club, but of course, you've got the bonus shows coming at you like Snyder Cuts and Assembling Avengers that you'll get as well. Uh, And you could find all of those uh, here at the 602 Club feed. And if you're getting your podcast through, say, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate you giving us a star rating. And, of course, on Apple Podcasts and Review, help people find the show, help the show grow, help people know that we're here. In fact, you can also share us with your friends on social media and connect with us over at The 602 Club on Twitter. And then we're at The 602 Club TFM over on Instagram, where you can follow us there. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook with the entire network at Facebook.com slash TrackFM, where there's a listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference you can join. And, of course, you can find us online at Trek.FM. We'd like to thank our associate producers through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah. We really appreciate them supporting us on the network and making sure that all the shows here keep coming to you. And if you want that to continue, we would really appreciate you going to Patreon.com slash TrekFM and becoming part of our team Honestly, every little bit helps, and we do have some big plans for the network, but it's going to take sponsors and listeners just like you. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. So, Christy, before we got into anything else, obviously this is based off a video game uh, from PlayStation. And so my first question, in all honesty, is have you ever played this game? No, I have not. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) No, I haven't. And and the main reason, not because I didn't want to play it, um, which I would have, but I have always had an Xbox system. Uh-huh. Um, and so I've never had a PlayStation. And therefore, because this was a PlayStation only game, I never had access to it. And okay. so and I, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to be I don't play enough games to be somebody to have more than one system in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so this was just never a game that I was going to be able to play because of that. And I didn't have any friends, you know, that had like a system that I could go over there and play. But I always thought that they looked really fun. And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, the games are basically a knockoff of, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like they're, they're paying homage to the great type of adventure games uh, and movies like Indiana Jones or, you know, like the Tomb Raider games and those kind yeah. of things. So very similar to all those. And again, I, I don't mean that derogatorily. I mean that, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And so you're you're right. tr- trying to create something like that. So, yeah, I just um, I never got a chance to play them. But they again, they always looked like fun. So. Yeah, this was something that when the games initially came out in 2007, I was um, in the early years of college. And so Mm. I didn't have a game system at all. I was too busy 
doing school. Yeah, I, I'm um, totally understandable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then actually years later when um, my husband and I were dating in 2010, I remember this being one of his favorite games. So I at least knew oh, it nice. was okay. a video game long before this movie came out. Nice. So your husband's played the games for him. I, I, I take it then he really enjoyed them if he was he was playing them. Yeah. Yeah, he okay. thought that the the games had a really great story and were clearly, like you said, a love letter to the Indiana Jones Tomb Raider, um, you know, lost treasure kind mm. of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, and what's really, you know, interesting about this is, you know, this is then a movie that's kind of been a development hell for a really long time since mm-hmm. 2008. Um, and they've just kind of had one director after another uh, kind of come and go um, just as a, a reference. They've had a couple of big directors like uh, David O. Russell, who would go on to direct Silver Linings Playbook. Um, he also directed American Hustle, things like that. So b- movies that, you know, you'd be uh, aware of. He was in talks and working on a film and then, of course, left to direct Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, They had Travis Knight, who has directed, like, the Bumblebee film. Um, He was in talks and was working on the film and then left. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had actors like Nathan Fillion, who really wanted to play uh, Nathan Drake and was, you know, trying to get people on social media to kind of lobby for him to be playing with it. And so, finally, 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 we get down to the director of Zombieland to work with well an interesting co an interesting writer who is responsible for the wheel of time series um to bring this movie to fruition finally which that's a really ridiculously long history of uh development hell which it just shows you how many movies end up in this process for so many years and so yeah, I I was, you know, uh, Ruben Fleischer uh, is the one who directed this and, you know, not a bad director because I personally enjoyed the Zombieland movies, one more than two. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's not a bad choice. Yeah, you and I both. Well, I mean, I didn't I know we talked about Zombieland 2 on this show. One, I'm not sure we covered. Mm-hmm. We did cover one. We did. And okay. I, I, yeah, yeah. And I know we both, I mean... We both liked the movies uh, for the most part. I, I think, yeah, because you liked two more than one as well, or yeah. one more than two, correct? Uh, well, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know. Yeah. So, probably. But anyway, regardless, you know, they finally found a director, and they were getting this movie made. And again, I, you know, hearing that he was going to be the director, um. I was like, okay, that that seems legitimate. And then Mm -hmm. the fact that they were going to, you know, they cast Tom Holland and you had people like Mark Wahlberg uh, in the film. That seemed legitimate as well. Um, And then, of course, you know, not being a person familiar with the games, you know, I I wanted to ask you about this. Um, This movie is kind of a prequel to everything in the games. So this kind of sets up the character. Do you feel like that was probably uh, the right way to go as well, the to help introduce people who maybe haven't played the game to these characters and their universe and before kind of dumping them fully into everything. And not necessarily. Um, I think that with this, you could have just started this as a um, film version of the first game or something and not, not Mm -hmm. needed to do a prequel. Um, because I, we've seen a million times that movies can work fine, just like sure. um, Ghostbusters, for example, throwing you into something and not explaining every little detail, mm-hmm. but you're still your suspension of disbelief goes along with it. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. I, I think that's a good point. Um, it is interesting because I think, you know they seem to kind of go in the same direction as the most recent Tomb Raider did, which was we're basing it off the newer games that have come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet, really, this is more of a prequel story to Laura becoming who she's going to be. 
And this movie, in many ways, is about Nathan Drake kind of finding his way into the character that you'd play in the games, which, Mm -hmm. again, like, I I think that's a pretty decent way to start. And, um, you know, like the Tomb Raider movie, um, I think it, whereas that movie, I was way more familiar because I played all the newer games and I played most of the, the older ones. This made me kind of excited to kind of learn the character and basically get to be a part of his journey to becoming the, the you know, the one that he would be in the games. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess part of it was just I felt like by placing it as a prequel, it gave me the opportunity to really get to know the character, you know, um, and his motivations and who he is and why he's doing this stuff. Yeah. Well, and I did appreciate that aspect of they're not treating the audience like you had to know all of this Mm, stuff before you can enjoy the movie. So I am glad that they did a prequel or at least told the story in this way. um, Mm -hmm. So that it's not like, you know, sort of where the Marvel TV series have gone, where you, you feel like there's something missing that you needed to fill in on before you could watch it. Yeah, I I think that's that's really smart and makes a lot of sense as to why they would go that direction. Um and yeah, I, I think you're hundred percent right in that you don't you don't want to just assume people know things, right? Right. Um, you know, you want to pay off fans of the video game series, but at the same time you need to bring in new fans. That's why you're doing this, right? And and they are two different things, right? You know the the video games and and the movie series are, are going to be different. They're not going to be the same. Um, and so I think that's something, you know, we have to remember too, you know. Um, and, you know, it's kind of the same with adapting a book, you know. And you can do it really well. Like I think, uh, you know, as a book, you know, you would see like a Dune doing it really well. Or I think the Lord of the Rings series does it really well. They're not exactly the same, obviously, as the as the book. You know, the movie's different, um, but they have the spirit of the books in a way that make you feel like they got it right. So, yeah, I'd be really interested to talk to your husband to see if he felt like they got the spirit of the games right in this. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe you should have had him on then. <sighs> well, yeah, <laughs> you know, Um I did want to ask you, obviously, this is an adventure film, right? And and we talked about the fact that what the game is based on and kind of what it's paying homage to. How do you feel like this, you know, because this movie has a lot of kind of that, especially the very first National Treasure movie, obviously the Indiana Jones movies, and a lot of those other classic um, adventure films like, you know, I mean, gosh, I wouldn't call this classic, but like the movie Sahara uh, that they did with uh, Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. and of course, um, you know, other films like Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and uh, all the way back that far. So, how do you feel like this kind of lives up to those adventure films that so many of us grew up with and have become, you know, kind of archetypes at this point? So, I think that they do a good job as far as showing this fits in that genre. I think that they obviously, you know, they have a lot of action sequences and some daring stunts and things they're showing that pay homage to those for sure, especially things with um even in the script referring to Indiana Jones like, you know, mm-hmm. nuns, it's always nuns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Um but I think that the thing they could have done a little bit better that would have sealed the deal is that those mentions have to also then include something to um, drive the story. Mm -hmm. And I think here the big thing is that a lot of times it feels like there's great references or a cool backdrop. um, But, you know, maybe there could have been a little bit more, of a uh, some stakes to it. Hmm. You know what I mean? When something feels just a, a sure. little bit more 
surface level and you're saying, okay, give me more, mm-hmm. like you've piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. Now where's the drama, yeah. you know, the, the peril yeah. that they're facing. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a good point. Really do. Um, because I do think that the movie, it mimics all of those kind of classic adventure films, all of those, you know, treasure hunting, you know, yeah, again, Indiana Jones type of movies. And yet I do think that at the same time, there might not. F- and, and I think part of this is just the pace of the film, um, because we do kind of jump from action scene to action scene, much like a video game. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't feel like there is quite as much depth but it also did feel like and and I I guess maybe when I'm thinking about like the story and just all of that stuff did it ever feel to you as though everything came a little bit too easy yes yeah okay. i mean that's what i'm getting at is it it didn't feel like they were in real danger mm yeah i think yeah i mean yeah cuz I, I i just keep saying yeah but I think of, you know, like an Indiana Jones where, you know, everything does really go wrong. And, you know, if you're seeing it for the first time, you're pretty sure that Marion just got killed and or kidnapped, you know. Right. You know, uh, really putting people at at odds, really putting people in danger where you don't feel like you know what's going to happen. And yet this is. And, uh, you know, I think the story of this movie and especially, you know, the way that we uh, interact with all the characters and it's like you I I felt like, okay, I know who's going to die here and I know who's going to live here. Mm -hmm. Um, And. Well, except for maybe the one there was only one I didn't expect. And that felt the same. yeah, that's a possibility, too. Um, Who who was it? Was it the second villain, basically? It was Mancata, Antonio Banderas. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. See, now I I wasn't surprised when that one happened, mm-hmm. but I was I was actually surprised when the um when Braddock died. I was actually pretty surprised when she, you know, got crushed by oh, the boat. The boat. Yeah. Because I expected her to be the one who took over for Moncada, mm-hmm. basically, right? Like, you you kind of think he's going to be the main bad guy, right? And then they do the switch where she kills him and, and, and everything. And then, if you know, that she would be kind of like a, a continuing villain. So I was actually right. surprised that they just dropped the boat on her. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's no way anybody survives that. I, I don't care if it even if it's a comic book. Like, you're dead. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, that was the one. That was the the story part where I was like, okay, wow, that was that seemed a little bit easier than I I thought it would be mm-hmm. um, when it came to her death. So yeah, I think it, it, both of those you do actually feel the danger there. Obviously, um, with uh, Mancata, I just didn't. I don't know the the way that they were playing him to me, and especially because he was such a recognizable actor. I feel mm-hmm. like that's the character that would then continue to be the main villain throughout the whole story and possibly into future films so it did turn it on its head for me to have good braddock's character slit his throat all of a sudden Um, yeah that's good but otherwise i mean i'm glad that worked yeah but you know otherwise i do think we're on the same page as far as the Mm -hmm. rest of the characters felt like nothing was ever super difficult for them Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean when you think about the characters and the story and the way everything is playing out as well. You know, I just also feel as though and I did you had, had you seen the trailer for this movie? Yes. Before. Okay. I, I have to ask you this question. Do you feel like the trailer just gave away too much of this movie? Yes. Okay. <laughs> did I, you too? <laughs> yes, because I 
like the whole thing with him, like we knew he was going to find the boats, right? We knew that they were going to be put on helicopters. So, you know, like we knew all of these things going in. And I just, I, th- I feel as though that really hurt the movie for me to know what's coming instead of being surprised. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I think that is a detriment to the movie to allow me to see the biggest action sequence and the biggest reveal, right? The biggest reveal is that they actually find what they're looking for. Right. You know, like I, even if it's the type of movie coming into it where you assume they are going to find what they're looking for, I think it would be better not to have that in the preview. To you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. No, oh, I'm with you a thousand percent. And even, you know, then in the movie, did you feel like when they walk onto the boat and he shows him, oh, it's a fake lid, here's the actual gold, did it feel so lackluster? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I guess, I mean, gosh, if, if you've paid any attention to any type of pirate movies in the, you know, I mean, you would know, right? Like, that's the case. Um, yeah. But I mean, so, like, it just, the, the build up to get to that point to then have them not really excited or interested much in the gold except for Sully. Yeah. yeah. Was kind of surprising to me. Mhm. Well, and I maybe that's a good like, you know, segue into the fact that, you know, this movie when we want to look at the thematic elements of it, there was a really interesting thematic element and maybe this is where as you're saying here that it ties in in the sense that it it's not as fully fleshed out as it could be but this kind of idea of relics or relationship right Mm -hmm. and this movie is full of people who are just kind of willing to kill literally for what they want and you know nathan is the only one in this movie who's that's that's not what this is about right this is about the adventure the adventure that he wanted to be with on his brother and even though He's not a completely morally upright person, right? He is more the hero. And they wanted to find lost things together. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't about, you know, necessarily getting rich or anything like that. This really was about um, furthering their relationship and and having a, a grand adventure together and what they could do for their relationship, you know? So... It was, but like you said, when you get to the point of them like finding the ships and and everything, it just doesn't, there's, it feels like there's something kind of missing because maybe, maybe too, the film is so worried about having action sequences that maybe it forgets that what we really probably want from this is to have some depth with these characters to really make their arcs feel better. So that when, you know, say like Sully chooses Nathan over the gold, like again, him choosing a relationship over a relic means more. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the strongest thing this movie has going for it is that whole bond between Nathan and his brother. And that that's the driving force for the hero is that he wants to find his brother again. He's got this glimmer mm-hmm. of hope that he could be alive out there somewhere. Um, and I did love the tie-in of the postcards being clues. Mm-hmm. And yeah. actually showing, um, you know, it, the heat, um, I'm sorry, disappearing ink that can reappear mm-hmm. when heated yep. is a real thing. You can actually use lemon yeah. juice. Just saying. Yep. So yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Like um, having that stuff play out, and and again, this being about this this guy who, you know, the only family he has left is his brother, and the loss of his brother, obviously, and the hope that his brother was still alive and he was going to be able to find him was the kind of the thing that was keeping him going. Mm-hmm. And I think there is something that is. The relationship, too, that's also very important in this film is the relationship between Sully and Nathan and and even, you know, Sully, I think, coming 
out of this life of being willing to do whatever it takes, you know, to get more gold or be rich or any of those things. I think there is a, there is just something I wanted more of in that. And I think, you know, again, they try to do that with Sully in the sense that like, you know, Nathan gets him the cat. And by the very end of the movie, of course, the cat becomes really important to him, Mm -hmm. you know, but I feel like that's a really cheap way to do what we really need to see done relationally between him and Nathan. And again, I feel like what you were kind of saying earlier, we needed there to be more friction, more difficulty so that when that choice gets made later on that we feel the emotional weight of that change coming in a character like Sully. Right. Whereas it, if there had been some more character building on the part of Sully as a character altogether, I think it would have been better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wondered if part of that too was not all the writing, but also maybe there wasn't as much chemistry between Holland and Wahlberg Hmm. And Interesting. possibly could have been a different casting choice. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, definitely something to dive into in a second. But I, I, yeah, I guess, and and not that I don't want to talk about it. I just think, as I'm thinking about it, I do feel like it's just more the the writing and the pace of the film. That it just never gives us the opportunity to be able to have those moments. And again, Mm -hmm. part of it is just it with the story. I think, again, I think, I I don't know. I think we were right in the sense that it's just a little bit too easy for everyone the whole time. Like, you know, there, there isn't really that big moment that really makes the characters grow in a way that feels very visceral, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so that again, I mean, it's great that he chooses and, and I think that's the problem is like, you want to make it more difficult this for the character so that when Sully makes that choice, it's not just him choosing between gold and Nathan, right? Like mm-hmm. it's that it, it feels bigger and and more robust than that. I think, um, yeah, like and it should- that they've had more friction before that. So that like there, the, there is really conflict, like. Is he is he going to want to save him, you know, because of all these other conflicts they might have? So I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was just going to add, like, then they could have him become the brother figure that Nathan Mm. has been missing. So even though maybe Nathan Mm -hmm. does later find his brother and find out he is alive, he could in the meantime take on more of a or maybe even it's more of like a fatherly role, at least an older Mm -hmm. brother kind of figure in Nathan's life. Um, I guess I really like that, Chrissy. Like thanks. you're absolutely right. Cause what they are trying to do is that Sully is going to kind of become this brother figure. And I think again, you're hundred percent right. If we're going to have that be the case, we do kind of want that struggle to yeah. get to that point with these characters. We, we need to see that struggle be a little bit more robust in that sense. So a hundred percent, because again, that is a good theme uh, this whole idea of like, is it, is it stuff over people? Right. Right. And many people, even in, in our lives, you know, we've, I'm sure both of us have seen people kind of just choose what they can get over a life with other people. Like uh, that stuff is more important. You know, they say diamonds are a girl's best friend. Um, but we all know that that's not actually the case. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think that you nailed it 100% there. So, um before we talk about the cast it, because this is it, it goes along with the thematic element is that it's interesting because they keep talking about this idea of things being lost and finding lost things, which is I think really interesting. Um there's a quote that I found from this book called ether into the nemesis and it says sometimes being lost is the best way to find yourself Hmm. and i was really interested in this idea that we really do have all of these characters in this movie especially i would i would say you know you have sully you have nathan um and then you have uh chloe who are 
all kind of lost characters in the sense they're definitely lost lost morally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they but they are kind of lost in the sense that they they have no foundation other than this 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 desire. Um, uh, most of them for just getting more stuff, you know, right? And I, how do you feel? How do you feel like that? plays out especially by the end of the movie this idea of maybe finding yourself through being lost so i love that you brought that up because that's definitely another theme that i noticed in the movie for sure i think that for sure they really show it especially with chloe actually um when she tells nathan about her father Mm -hmm taking something that she found that she was so proud of that it wasn't really for her at the time as much about the thing as Mm -hmm. what she went through to get it. And that her father immediately gets rid of it. Like it's nothing. And that ever since then, that's been her reason for not trusting anyone feeling lost. Mm -hmm. Um, and clearly searching for something or, somebody to trust um Mm -hmm. i like that they played that up really a lot with her um and giving a reason to why she double crosses everybody and then i mean we we already said with nathan he's in a sense going on this journey because inside he feels like he's drifting Mm -hmm. yeah and he's trying to find something either to live for or to reconnect with his brother. He just doesn't really seem to have a direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Sully thought he had a direction and ended up realizing, like you said, and you know, previously that he was choosing things over any relationships in his life. Yeah. And that even that sometimes led him to choose the wrong relationships when he actually chose one. Because clearly he had something going on with Braddock in the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's 100% correct. And, like, the idea of them finding out that there's more than just money. Like, the, again, mm-hmm. that that connection of... That connection of humanity, that 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 right. connectivity is like more important. Like, they'll never feel yeah. satisfied with things mm-hmm. yes yes uh and and that's 100 percent true i mean like you're just you are never going to find um satisfaction in things in the end because things can't love you back you know right. things can't <laughs> be there for you you know they say diamonds are a girl's best friend but that that's not true you know diamonds aren't gonna love you in the long run, you know, mm-hmm. and so absolutely. No, I, I really liked that idea. And I just, I think these two like thematic elements that we've been talking about, I, I do think it's one of those things where if, if it had been, if the script had been maybe refined, maybe one or two more times so that you're making sure to really get at each of these points through the character development, I think that's the thing that probably would have put this over the top uh, and made it an even better movie by by doing that. And, and especially, I think, you know, we mentioned the cast. And so first, you know, how do you think that Tom Holland does in the film? Because this movie really does kind of rest on his shoulders. If you don't like him and you don't like his betrayal, you're probably not going to like this movie. <laughs> So it's hard with Tom Holland because I will say, of course, I am definitely a Tom Holland fan. And I think what he did for Spider-Man also was just incredible. And that really obviously put him on the map. Here, I think that at times it comes across a little bit immature for what the character is that they're trying to portray him as. But I do see those pieces of potential in him to become this action hero. You know, like you can see that he's got the ability. Mm -hmm. I just don't know that he's quite all the way there yet of being like the Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. Um, But not to say he was bad. And I, like I said, I I love Tom Holland in general as an actor. Um, I, I think that 
also, like I said, there could have been some either better writing or more work on the chemistry between Holland and Wahlberg to make that mm-hmm. relationship a little stronger. Um, but ultimately, I, I thought that Holland was good as Nathan Drake. Um, mm-hmm. I did think it was funny. I don't know if you heard um, or saw that Mark Wahlberg was originally cast as Nathan Drake. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I think maybe they backed off from that because if they wanted to make this into a series of films, mm-hmm. he would be a little too old. Yeah, that's true. And of course, I do think that uh, in many ways, the you know, as we've talked about, the story that they're going for here is the the prequel as well that allows them mm-hmm. to to have a lot of time, like you're saying, to to be able to enjoy this character with hopefully you know, at least for their hope, multiple films. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. Uh, I, I think that Tom Holland does a really good job in this movie and I found him just, he's very charming. Yeah. And he, he has a way I think of being quippy and everything, which is, it's one of the things that, um, you know, I, I'm really hoping that they'll allow him to use even more in his Spider-Man and the upcoming films with Spider-Man because he is very good at that stuff. And I thought that it was also interesting for him to be this younger character and who's getting into the world and really, I mean, he kind of understands how the world works, but he doesn't quite understand how this world works of treasure hunting um, and he gets quite an education in this film. And I just, I think the thing that I came away with is that Tom Holland is a really charismatic actor and I enjoy yeah, sure. watching him on screen and, uh, I'm excited to see more of him. You know, I, he was, I loved him as Spider-Man. Yeah. John and I, as we've been going back through, um, the MCU films and we've talked about him and he really is a fantastic uh, uh, actor, you know, um, and, and he, he's able to do emotion really well. I think the thing is, and you rightly pegged it again, I do think that the script lets him down a little bit in the sense that it never really gives him moments to have kind of a really emotional place. Um, and I think that, like you said, again, that it also kind of suffers with his relationship with Sully, because even though it has fun banter to it, I do just wish that they had allowed these characters to have some more depth together and have some more conflict in many ways so that it felt like they had been through the fire together, really, um, and that that fire forged them into a brotherhood. Yeah. And so I but I can't take anything away from Tom Holland's uh, portrayal. And, you know, I, I think Mark Wahlberg is is good in the movie. Um I don't think that, you know, he he does anything wrong or anything in the film. Um, I think he plays the role as it's given to him uh, on the script. And I do agree with you. I think the problem is, is that he never gets the opportunity to really kind of dig into anything truly meaty. Right. Like he just it feels like there's something a little bit missing with Sully in particular that you just want his character to be fleshed out more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. So with the rest of the cast, especially, you know, um, I think uh, Sophia Ali playing Chloe. What did you think of her? Because obviously she's really, I would say, this movie is kind of has a trinity to it. And I think she's actually the other part of the trinity. And I'm really interested to see what you thought of what they did with her character. I thought she was great. I truly like this actress I had never seen before. And I think that she really held her own. And I think that the writing here kind of worked more in her favor because it gave her more opportunity to explain her motivations, her upbringing, which we didn't really get with Sully. Um, And she was, a surprise i think you know in the scenes where she um decides to run off with the coordinates which you don't know necessarily which way she's going to go about that and that he's 
got a backup plan. Um, I like that they had her turn um, on Nathan in the scene with the urns. You know, you don't expect that, or at least I didn't. Um, And I think that this actress really plays it well to where you don't see those things coming. Mm. I liked her too. Yeah, I did. I liked her too. Um, I think the one disappointment that I had, and it had nothing to do with her, um, is honestly, again, in the fact that when we get to the end of the film, um, she gets nothing to do. Like, literally. She has nothing to do with the the end of the film. That's true. And I found that disappointing um, that... You know, the last time we see her is, you know, when she's in the boat and they're in the um, helicopter and that's it. Like, you know, and so I I think there's, I think they had built her up really interestingly and then they just almost abandoned her character really. And, And so it kind of became like... You, they again. This is where I'm thinking. You know, the script I think really needed another rewrite because you can't have a major character like that mm-hmm. just kind of disappear for the rest of the film and not have anything to do other than getting tricked by Nathan to go the wrong way. Like it seems very strange that they could find nothing for her to do. Right. Like they made her feel essential. Like you said, part of a trinity of the two guys and then her and then to just Mm -hmm. leave her off like, Oh, they fooled her again and uh, we'll never see her again. I guess (laughs) it feels cheap to then dump her like that. And it, and it's not like you'll never see her again because you get the feeling like they're going to run into each other Mm -hmm. and that she'll be a part of their adventures in the future. But again, I just, I can't understand what, what they're thinking where like she just, she doesn't do anything in the movie uh, yeah. at the end. And it's just really odd. The only reason that I wonder if it, it could be the reason for that is that apparently in the game, there were two different main female sort of love interests for Nathan. Um, and that character mm. was one of them, but not the main one. Hmm. So it could be that they were trying to find a way to write her out to then bring in a love interest for him in the next film if they get one. Um, but still, the handling of it was not good. Yeah, I mean, that's that that's a possibility. I, I didn't know that. Um, so but it just yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do, um, you know, and uh, I thought that. You know, the character of, of Joe Braddock as well, you know, she, I I think it's really fun to watch her be evil in everything. Um, but as a character, whereas, you know, Moncada has some great motivations for what he's doing, right? You know, this is his family lineage. This is all of that stuff. Like with her, I don't feel like there's a lot, like... Yeah, we know she used to have some sort of relationship with Sully, but other than that, like, I have no idea. I mean, she is just kind of, she's not a mustache twirling villain because she's a woman, but that's basically how she's being played, right? (laughs) Right. Like, she shows up, we don't really know where she's from, why she's interested mm-hmm. in this. Other than, I guess, a lot of money. <laughs> why she's continuing. Yeah. No, that seems to be her only real real desire in this situation is it's a job mm-hmm. and she wants the money. Um, I do think yeah, the actress was good. And I thought yes. the look they gave her yes. was really cool. Um, I just, like you, wish there had been a little bit more mm-hmm. depth there. Um, and it kind of felt at times like they were um giving themselves a hard time with the writing having her and chloe both being mercenaries hired by the same guy yeah 
I don't know. Did you feel like that was a little confusing? I didn't find it confusing. I mean, it made sense that this character would do that. You know, Onkata, it's exactly the Mm -hmm. type of thing I would expect him to do. Um, you know, to be playing everybody off against each other just because he wants to get what he wants and he doesn't really care how he gets it. I, again, like you said, I, I think, you know, she did a great job with what she's given. I thought, like you said, the look was very cool. It reminded me very much of Xenia on a top from GoldenEye, had a very oh, similar yeah. type of feel to her. Uh, and so, you know, all of that's great. Um, but yeah, I just you know as as a character, she she was not as interesting as what we got with Chloe, and mainly because we just didn't really get to spend enough time with her to have an impact. I felt like, and you know, and I, I would say too, yeah. in some ways. That's also, I mean, I think both female characters kind of suffer from kind of the same thing. We just get to spend a little bit more time with Chloe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the end, her and Nathan have kind of come to an understanding, you know, like there's a there's a different type of relationship there. We can tell she's not all evil, right? Um, whereas, you know, we'd mm-hmm. obviously never get that with Joe Braddock. So, Yeah. And I did want to add to just thinking about Braddock as a character. I think it would have been cool even if they had explained what the deal is with her always having the same killing style with the same kind that's of knife. That's a great point, too. Yeah, I mean, that's a little, oh, yes. Because it was a cool looking knife. I mean, I'm not like a weapon person. I'm not going to say that. I am actually. I. <laughs> I'm in the 501st. Are you kidding me? I love a big gun. Um, But it was a cool looking knife and they could have had a a character motivation of like her Mm -hmm. family member was brutally killed by, you know, the same knife or the same method. Yeah. And so that's why that's her thing now. It's a good point. It's a really good point. So, no, I I agree with you on that. Well, obviously, this movie is a big action film. And so I did want to ask you, you know, a bringing a video game movie to life gonna be tons of action how did you feel like the action translated to what they do here on screen i thought overall it was pretty good i um i really enjoyed the scene um with the ships um especially i think that the the depth of action they had there with bringing in the helicopters was kind of unexpected that they were going to lift Mm -hmm. them out of there instead of just taking what they wanted out of the boats and then leaving. Um, And I really enjoyed some of the chase scenes like they had in the city when they first met Chloe. Um, The only one that I think it it suffers a little with the effects and then also with the action overall is the airplane Mm -hmm. scene. It just seems that the way that they had the yeah. crates flying out was very lax. <laughs> Did it seem slow to you at times when they're just kind of dangling from the airplane flowing in the wind? I mean, obviously, it's a really hard scene to do, but I did feel in many ways that it very much mimicked a video game. And, you know, I... I don't actually understand mm-hmm. what the physics are of a plane is traveling at a credible rate and you are trying to propel yourself from one place to the next by like jumping and pushing yourself to that. And there's no way that's even physically possible with yeah. physics. So. It, it, it defies does. too much physics. So at that point, <laughs> you know, I just kind of let it go um, and just enjoy the big, silly action for what it is. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that did definitely look very sure. video yeah. gamey yeah. because we know that that kind of thing is so not going to mm-hmm. happen in yeah. real life. The way he even jumps up from one crate to another or then decides to jump yeah. down closer to the ground with 
Well, and, and even him getting into the plane in the first place, you know, like it just again, the physics of that is not possible. Yeah. You know, once you leave the connection, you're not going to be able to jump into the plane. There's you don't have enough force to like be going fast enough to do that. So, but again, it's it mm-hmm. the type of movie that this is. I can let that go, and I felt like. In many ways, the movie kind of embraced that, especially at the end. And, you know, to kind of, yeah. you know, do the uh, boarding of the ship, you know, from the other helicopter and, you know, basically uh, a pirate scene like that was kind of fun in that sense. Um, you know, so all that yeah. stuff I, I, I enjoyed. I, I didn't get really bored or anything with most of the, most of the action. I think the one that you called out was the one that maybe didn't work. It, it worked the least. And part of that, I just, again, so much of this was in the trailer. So I knew what to kind of expect, whereas I wished that it hadn't been. So it would have been more surprise and just kind of having fun with it because I hadn't already seen it before. So, um, how did you how did you end up uh you know one of the things that makes many action adventure movies especially obviously Indiana Jones popular and successful is because of the music and so how did you feel like did the music add anything to this movie for you or was it just kind of there That was kind of disappointing for me honestly it it was there um but nothing mm-hmm. memorable there wasn't like a core theme for Nathan that I could remember uh, it just overall felt like it worked but it wasn't mm-hmm. anything outstanding or memorable I guess yeah. is where I'm going with that did you feel the same way it's not bad it's Raman Dajwani who's doing the music I think I think that's how you say their name and you know they've done some interesting things in the past and I, I there is a little bit of a theme. And I, I, so not having played the video game, I have no idea if the video game has its own theme. Um, so I, I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if he's used anything of, of that nature at all. But I, you know, I do think that the movie would have really helped to have had more thematic elements to it you know and and be a little bit bolder uh yeah. in that as well i mean you know he's he also did the music for game of thrones which that music is phenomenal and obviously a very memorable theme right and so i i think this movie just would have really benefited from that because a lot of times you know great music with great thematic elements can really help you feel something more even if the movie is just kind of okay, the music can really make it soar, you know? Uh, so I, I think yeah. that's something that the movie definitely could have benefited from. So, Well, like, I, I thought of um, the theme from Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. Yep. It's not like those movies are the greatest thing in film, but the music sells it. You're absolutely right. That's a fantastic point. Um, even Even the other two movies where they aren't, always great right especially the second one you're 100 mm-hmm. percent right so i man I'm, I'm glad you thought of that because I, I think that absolutely makes the point well what would you rate uncharted then so i kind of struggled with this because i like the actors so much and i wanted to give it some brownie points for the banter at least for the good parts mm-hmm. here and there with Wahlberg and holland um so I guess I ultimately come down to leaning a little bit more positively and saying I give it a three out of five curved pocket knives. Nice. Because I think that it it does have some fun things and I might possibly watch it again. I don't know that I would buy it, but but it's mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, Better than average. Yeah. I just wouldn't say that it's great. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, I do think that is so, I mean, just what you're saying about everything about the film is 100% accurate, and I'm kind of right there with you. I think I'm a little bit more positive in the sense that I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five broken Mm -hmm. pirate ships. 
um, and not really pirate <laughs> ships, but Magellan's ships. Um, and, and mainly because sometimes I just enjoy a big silly movie like this. And in much the same way, like I would put this close to what we get in like the original national treasure. You know, there's a lot of fun yeah. silliness to this. And, and I think to me, I had a good enough time just enjoying watching Tom Holland that he's just, I don't know. He's great at kind of being that every man guy who's getting put in all these situations and having to try to find a way to make it. And I was enjoying that. Mm -hmm. So I'll be a little bit more generous in that. But yeah, I mean, and, and to me it was like, it's a really fun movie just to go and you can like, could take the family too and have a great night out. And so absolutely. But Christy, uh, we do want to give everybody some recommendations this week. And so if you were going to recommend something to somebody that they should do, listen, watch, read, or any of those things, where, what would you like to recommend this week? I'm going to recommend something that is not out yet, actually, that I haven't seen, but I saw the preview with my husband before we watched Uncharted <laughs> this weekend. And it looked so good that I just have to see it. So I wanted to tell everyone about it because I think that you should give it a chance. Um, it's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Have you heard of it? It sounds familiar, but I didn't see that preview. So so it actually is starring Nicolas Cage oh, yes. and Pedro Pascal. Oh my gosh, yes, I have seen that preview. You're right. And it's Nick Cage playing himself. In a movie about someone who's a massive fan of his and he's got to go and hang out with him. And that's all I'll, I'll give away. But it just looks so freaking funny. And Pedro Pascal can seemingly just become, you know, he's a chameleon. He can play any role and he does it so well and he can play up the comedy. And it just really looks funny. I can't wait to check it out. So, yeah, that's yeah great. I, I say... Um, April 22nd is the release date. Go see The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which I also think is a funny <laughs> name. <laughs> I'm going to be right there with you with that one because it does look very, very funny. Um, I'm going to recommend to everybody uh, The Art of Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, that Ooh. book just came out, and it was so good. Uh, there's some great behind-the-scenes nuggets in there um, from the creation of that season. And, of course, you know we all know that season introduced us to the live-action Bo-Katan and Ahsoka. So it was really cool to see their behind-the-scenes thoughts of creating those characters in live-action and the costume designs and you know the sketches that you got. Uh, so it's really, really good, and I highly recommend everybody to check that out. But, you know, Chrissy, um, if people maybe wanted to catch out, if people wanted to catch up with you and see what else you've got going on these days, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell, and then also sometimes over in the Babel Conference. And when I'm not here or in those places, I also do a show with my friends Amanda and Teresa called Sabers and Spells. You may be familiar with Amanda. She's appeared on this show a couple times now. Um, and uh, that show, Sabers and Spells, is about geek topics we don't usually get to cover. It's on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network, Skynet. So I hope you'll check that out on all your social media platforms at Sabers and Spells. And, of course, uh, you could find me here in the 602 Club feed with the bonus shows that I mentioned earlier. So I hope you'll check those out. Uh, of course, uh, not only that, but you can find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing 2 Pretty much all the social media platforms that, that's there. Uh, and then you can also find me here on the network doing The Orb. Warp 5 and Literary Treks. The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. And Literary Treks is about the, the books and the comics of Star Trek. Over on the Nerd Party Network, you'll find me doing two shows. One is a completed show that I did with Drea Kaufman 
called Owlpost. We talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And then I'm also doing Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast with John Mills, as, of course, we talk about Star Wars each and every week. But thank you, as always, for joining us. And y'all come back now you hear. here.